Hello and welcome to another edition of Lit These Days. I'm Jessica. I'm Adam. And we're your hosts. And this is a book about a book about podcasts. No, a <laughs> podcast about books. It's wow. an audio book of a podcast transcript <laughs> that sounds like it's improvised. <laughs> Ooh, that could be interesting. And yeah. no, okay, this is a podcast about <laughs> books. And we talk about the books that we have finished reading, what we're currently reading, and we give book recommendations to our listeners. And Adam, let me freaking tell you, I am so excited to talk about this book that I finished. (laughs) I started reading it on Thursday, and I finished it yesterday. Today is currently Sunday, so I finished it like so freaking fast. Nice. And this is the best book that I have read so far this year. It is amazing. Oh, I mean, seriously, nice. I sometimes I'll I'll sticky note books depending on, you know, if I if I want to go back to them or if I want to write something about them. And look at all these sticky notes I put in here. <laughs> oh, no. It looks like you're studying for something. No, listen. Okay. I this book, okay, I never reread books ever, but I immediately want to Oh my gosh, my voice is getting weird. I immediately want to restart this book right now and just read it again. This never awesome. happens. Oh, it is <laughs> so good. Okay, so I will actually tell you what the, the book is now. It is uh, You Feel It Just Below the Ribs, and this is by Jeffrey Craner and Janina Mathewson. And this is actually an advanced reader's copy that I got from Harper Perennial. And so it's not out until, I believe it's November 16th. But it is so good. Go pre-order it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, and I'm giving it very high praise here. I realize that. But I fully believe that this could be the next 1984. It's very high praise. I know. Wow. But it is so good. And if it does not become an instant classic, I'm going to be so upset. So let me talk about what this book is actually about. Like I mentioned, this book is called You Feel It Just Below the Ribs. And there is... So much to unpack in this book. I think it's going to be a little difficult to kind of tie it all up neatly in a bow because it does stretch across decades and decades. And basically the main premise is that someone or a a specific publishing house has found a manuscript with a dead body. And that body belonged to Dr. Miriam Gregory, and she grew up during the Great Reckoning in the early 1900s. Let me put on my glasses because I cannot read my notes. (laughs) All right, there we go. I'm blind. Anyway, so she grew up during the Great Reckoning in the early 1900s. And the Great Reckoning is a global war, but obviously it's fictitious. And and it caused the death of at least 30% of the world's population, but that number might be as high as 60%. So as high as 60% of the people in the world died because of this war. So... Miriam is growing up as an orphan orphan in Europe, and she's basically just trying to survive however she can. She's kind of just meandering from place to place. And eventually, she finds herself at this place called the Arboretum, which it honestly is pretty much just a, a metaphor for socialism as far as I can tell. But it's basically a safe place that's self-sustaining. Everyone participates and, and helps out everyone else to get food, go hunting, and and all that other stuff. And this place was created by a bunch of intellectuals who banded together during the Great Reckoning to make up 
place where they can all be safe and they, because they're intellectuals, they have regular debates about philosophy and other things like that. And the main tenet that they debate in the book is familial nationalism, which I thought was so interesting. So this war started because of nationalism. Each country thinks that it's better than the other and then it just gets out of hand and the whole world just breaks into war and it causes all this death and stuff. But at the Arboretum, they develop this philosophy that if they can keep nationalism and tribalism out of the Arboretum, no violence will ever occur in there. And they're correct in that assumption. And that kind of goes back to the familial nationalism that you'll protect your family no matter what. And this becomes important later on in the story. But so the Arboretum is also where Miriam starts working with kids and she teaches them how to meditate and she starts working through their trauma with them and starts to heal them basically. And so eventually she moves to the United States after the Great Reckoning is over. Like I mentioned, this spans decades. It's very a very long time period. And she starts doing this work with kids on a bigger scale. So the government decides in order to make sure that no violence like the Great Reckoning ever happens again to use Miriam's research to get rid of all nationalism, all tribalism, all all of that stuff. So they use Miriam's research to start removing memories of these kids' families by the time that they reach age 10 so that no familial nationalism can ever exist again. And then things get out of hand. And I won't say more than that because there are spoilers if I were to say more than that, but it's kind of that trope of a utopia that's actually a dystopia. It's just so freaking good. And I relate it to 1984 because it made me think of... In 1984, the government would try to manipulate history to their advantage, but here the government is manipulating and changing people's memories. So it's different, but it kind of reminded me of it. And what else? What are they going to say? Um, oh, yes. Okay. This is told in a meta narrative, which is really interesting. So like I had mentioned, this is a manuscript that's published posthumously. Posthumously? I don't know how to say that word. Anyway. Okay. Um, Second one. And... So whoever published it, the publishing house that that published it, they wrote footnotes and other notes in the in the manuscript and they really go after her and they're kind of just discrediting her throughout the whole thing and I was oh, like, "Ooh, that's so yeah. interesting that they did that." And I was like, "Hmm, why did they publish it in the first place?" Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that it was something that the government probably published as propaganda yeah. to continue on their whole uh, their whole scheme that they have that's going. What it on. Sounds like, oh, yeah, it's so good. Anyway, that's that all sounds I have fantastic. To say about it. Yeah, yes. that sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I love the I love a good like this is a good thing, but is it a good thing to force it force it upon your citizens? And then and then coming back to is it really a good thing in the first place? That reminds me a little bit of. Clockwork Orange, like the the question at the heart of Clockwork Orange being like, should you eliminate these desires? Like, is it the uh, is it the government's uh, responsibility to do so? Have you ever read that before? Seen the movie? I tried to read it, and then I think that's the book that's written in a language that's very difficult to understand, or it's yeah. For- 
Yeah, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't right There's now. a glossary in the back that you got to follow along with. If you can get through the first like 30 to 50 pages, it's you can kind of stop using the glossary after that. But yeah, okay. but that's, that's the heart of it is like this, this, this teenager has done all of these horrible, horrible things like murder and rape. And they select him for this, this program that eliminates his desire for violence. Um, the desire is still there, but he gets sick every time that he, uh. He, he goes to engage in something that's violent. Oh, interesting. So I like, never knew what the actual plot of it was. Like I said before in, in other podcasts, I go into books not knowing anything about the plot. That's just my hmm. that's just my vibe. That's not a bad thing to have. This sounds great, though. This yeah. sounds great. Sounds very relevant. And there are also just little nuggets in there. I actually texted a, a quote to my boyfriend. Not because, not because um, this is what I believe for our relationship. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, Miriam, she falls in love with this woman. And um, it's kind of like uh, an attraction right away. But then they continue to fall in love later on. But this is what Dr. Miriam Gregory says. She says, love at first sight is an impossibility. Love is based on knowing someone as fully as it's possible to know them and cherishing all that you can find in them. Initial attraction is just that, attraction. And when we perceive it to be more, it is only that we have projected someone we've imagined into a real person. If that projection turns out to be close to the truth, that is mere coincidence. And I read that and I was like, oh my God. Uh, it's so <laughs> Yeah, that's, oh, that's fascinating. Fascinating way to tell a story too, because you can put things like that throughout the text. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to read that when it comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking Sold. about sending you a copy because I do have – I actually um, have a book that I picked up specifically for you and I need to send it mm. to you. Yeah, that would be great. I'd read it. I would definitely read it ASAP. Yeah. ASAP. Okay. Well, that is what I read. What did you read? Uh, it's a slow week for reading for me, which is great for a podcast about reading. <laughs> but <laughs> I did not finish the Midnight Library. I just couldn't. This was a week where I was like, ah. Uh, so close to finishing my podcast. <laughs> like, it's also super stressful. So, mm -hmm. um, I had discontinued my Audible um, so I could catch up on things. But, but then I felt sad that I uh, I discontinued it because Scotty Pippen's autobiography is coming out soon. But can anyway. I ask who that is? Because I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jordan's right hand man from the from the nineties. Oh, I, yeah. I thought, although he would hate being referred to as Michael Jordan's right hand man. I thought I thought he was a sports guy, but I I wasn't sure. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I didn't read, but I did I did finish. I hadn't gotten very far through this the last time we talked, but I finished Ghost by Jason Reynolds, mm -hmm. which to recap, it's it's a it's a middle level book, but I recommend anybody to read it. And it follows this kid who's his nickname is Ghost, his real name is Castle Cranshaw, and essentially when he was younger, his dad was a drunk and chased him and his mother out of the house with a gun and they had to run to um, this person's like convenience store that he's friends with and, and and hide basically like hide in the back room which is important later on in the plot and then it it picks up where he's you know he's at he's at school he gets in trouble a lot and he <laughs> it's such a cool scene. He he decides to go to the track team practice. They've already had tryouts. The team's already together. And he he runs like he, he like cons the the coach into letting him run uh, like one race just so he can show off and then walk away. And the, <laughs> and, it, and the coach is like, you're not going to be on the team. I don't know why you're doing this. He's like, just let me do it. 
He's really good, so the coach wants him at that point, but he's like, nah, I'm good. I just wanted to show off. Oh <laughs> so, like, yeah, so that's like his personality. So, of course, he makes it on the team. It's such a – like, it hits the beats that you would think – the type this type of sports book would hit. Uh, there's even a funny line where he like mentioned the coach mentioned something, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in that sports movie, <laughs> like <with laughs> the influential coach." Uh, but I really like, especially with the coach. Like, there's no the the lead is African American, the coach is African American. There's no like, you know. I think last last time that we talked about it, you had mentioned um, <laughs> the blind side. There's no blind side effect in there. There's no white savior narrative here. Um, and that said, the the cast is very very diverse. It's very representative of like it felt like I was in a school when they're describing the school. Like it it felt very very real. And it's a middle school, so it definitely like I work in a middle school. I know how kids talk generally and how they interact with each other. And Jason Reynolds nailed it, which I thought was cool because he's one of those authors. And this happens more and more where you have a young adult author who then goes back and starts to write middle level books. And it doesn't always work. Like I can't imagine we're always poo-pooing John Green, but I can't imagine John Green writing like a middle level <laughs> book. I can't imagine him writing a, a young adult book. Oh, that's so mean. Anyway, yeah. I just don't like how his characters are set up. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But like as unrealistic as they can be for his young adult, like I just can't see that being the case with middle level books. Uh, and I saw this a lot when I was younger, like the, the middle level books, like, uh, the kids just didn't sound like kids. Like it, it really, it didn't, it didn't quite work, but mm -hmm. Ghost really works. And Ghost is a book too, where it, it tackles, and I was thinking about this at the end, it tackles, it tackles bullying. It tackles PTSD. Um, you know, it, ta it tackles family violence. It tackles poverty. It does all of these things in a way that, like, I would. It's completely appropriate for any twelve-year-old to read this book. There's nothing gratuitous. Um, and for example, like the PTSD, he he has a day where he. I don't want to spoil this part, but he ends up running away from school. Something happens. He never runs away from school, but he he has to leave. Like the kids have made fun of him for 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 the for his appearance for something that he did to his clothes, and, and he runs away. And he ends up running to the convenience store because he always hangs out with this this man at the convenience store. He always buys his sun his sunflower seeds there, and he just ends up helping the dude for the day. And he accidentally gets locked in the room where he was hiding oh, at the beginning or prior to the book when he was hiding from the dad. Um, and of course, like it's instant flashback. And, and once, once the guy, once the man lets him out and he's like, oh, sorry, that door gets stuck. He just bolts. Like he just bolts and runs away. Um, but the way that they tackle that is like the next time he talks to the guy, like he keeps thinking about it. But the next time he talks to the guy, the guy's like, hey, I'm, are you okay? Like, sorry that that, that happened. And it kind of peters out. And, and there's a lot of that, like the, the class bully who is at the very beginning of the book, like they have this big, big scene, they have this big altercation. And it's a big deal because they can't, he can't have an altercation or he's off the track team. Like he was just, <laughs> the coach had just told his mom, like, if he has any altercations, we're going to kick him off the team. Then he immediately has this altercation. And, it, and it's written in a way where it's like, yeah, he, I would have punched the kid in the face if that were, <laughs> if that were <laughs> the case, if he had said that thing to me. Um, and that narrative kind of, again, it peters out. Like that guy comes back at the end, but there's no great like, we become best friends after this. Like they're not still fighting, but it, it just kind of rests and, and moves on from it. So you don't get a nice bow on the end of every – all the all the strings are tied up, but you don't get a nice bow on everything, which I thought was amazing. So highly recommended. I know it's middle-level fiction, but I think, I think anybody who likes 
realistic fiction and especially sports fiction wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about when I was younger, I never had when I was reading middle level young adult books, I never had any books that tackled like PTSD or family violence or anything like that. And I wonder if that's a new thing or maybe I just haven't read anything like that. Maybe I just haven't come across it. Had you ever come across anything like that when you were younger? No. No, I think it's relatively new because like the the young adult middle level scene when I was a kid, it wasn't non-existent, <laughs> like, but it was a lot of, you know, R.L. Stein and like you had the classics that were always there. You had the outsiders and you had the giver and, and, and those ki- those types of books. But like, you know, there weren't a ton of them to choose from. So I don't think they, they ever tackled those types of issues because they just weren't there. Um, Bruce Cavill is another author that comes to mind. I mean, I might, I might be missing something. I may have just skipped out on those types of books, but even as a kid, I remember reading books and being like, eh, I'll just move on to adult books. Like at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about all the books that I used to read when I was younger. Oh my gosh. I was, I was that stereotypical horse girl in school. <laughs> There's always one of them isn't in, in every class isn't there, but I used to read pretty much exclusively like just horse books and maybe yeah. maybe when i was younger there there was more of what you talked about with with there being like the heavier themes in there but i honestly i wonder also though if it's just a new thing and it's just becoming more acceptable to talk about these kind of topics and i really like how that cuz i've i've seen other books too that kind of do the same thing and mm-hmm. I really like how it's kind of changing in that way. Yeah. I, I mean, and it must be relatively new. Now, you would have had a, a pretty diverse um, young adult scene, not necessarily middle level scene. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of fighting over these books <laughs> that's occurring right now. So, I mean, that that's not necessarily indication that it's a new thing rather than a political trend. But, like, it's definitely – it's out there. It's being debated. And this is one of those books, too, where, like, you know, when people rail against some of these young adult books, especially where I am, like, there's a constant fight of, like, no, I don't want my kid reading this book. I understand that to a certain extent with the young adult books because I do read some of the young adult books and I'm like, man – Okay. <laughs> like, that's a lot. Do you have that's any examples? Heavy. No, just like like a, a book that would be – I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head, but, but a book that would be designed for, um, you know, like a 14, 15-year-old that has like gra- oh, near graphic sex in mm. it. Um, I think like Looking for Alaska would be a good example of that with, with John Green or like yeah. very suicide-heavy books. Like I get why some parents don't want those types of books – as an as an assigned book, not as an option, but as an assigned book, which has happened before. Like we've seen books that get assigned, like um, uh, what is the one by Ned uh, Ned Vizzini? I forget, but but it, it suicide is a major motif of it. Um, and, and the author himself died died of died by suicide, and like it's just it's really really heavy. I don't think it's bad that it's out there because these books are great, but. I can understand some of the uh, some of the pushback on certain things, and for the, for something like Ghost, it's the perfect kind of alternative to that. It's all there, but it's presented in such a manageable, digestible way. Mm-hmm. Was that book by by Ned Vizzini? Was it? Um, it's kind of a funny story. Yep, that's it. I've that's never it. read that before, but I have seen it. The cover looks very familiar to me. I have nothing else to say about that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't either. I feel like I rambled for a bit, but Ghost by Jason Reynolds. And it's a series. It's a uh, track series. So there's uh, track book two, track book three, and, and each one follows a different character from the track team. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Did you have any other books that you wanted to talk about? Not that I finished. Do you have any books you're currently reading? I do have a book that I'm currently reading, but it's not going to be interesting at all. <laughs> so when I signed, oh, I don't think I, I said this on the podcast. I uh, accepted a new job and you might be wondering, Jessica, didn't you just start a new job three months ago? <laughs> Why, yes, I did. And sometimes things just don't work out. So I did quit my job on Monday because I had an offer from another another company and it's a real estate company. And when I signed the offer letter, he was like, hey, read this book. And I said, okay. And it's basically, what is it called? Uh, million dollar real estate agent or something like that. And it's oh, by- I have, the, I have the notes here. It's, uh, oh, you just wrote real estate book for my new job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it's really not important because I'm assuming that our audience is not going to want to read it, but it's basically <laughs> just a blueprint to, to running your own real estate company. I'll be doing marketing for them, so it won't be- Something that I don't think I'll use it every day, but it, he just kind of wanted me to read it to know what the company is based on and all of that. Makes stuff. sense. So, makes sense. Not interesting to anyone <laughs> listening, so we won't go into detail about that. But congratulations, that's awesome. Thanks. I started this this morning, so I'm like ten pages. I read the introduction to it, um, but for my for my birthday. My dear friend, Kim, who listens to this, hello, um, got me miles on miles interviews and encounters with Miles Davis, which I'm Ooh. super, super excited. Apparently, this came out in like 2008 and the paperback just came out now. Oh. <laughs> the paperbacks from from last year, from 2020, because I thought it was brand new. I started seeing it in different in different bookstores, but you know, they just decided to put the paperback out. Um, I'm really excited for this one because Miles interviews are always a joy to 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 read and to listen to because he he was a guy who never liked to talk about anything that he had done <laughs> so you can imagine for an interviewer they're like ah, tell me about your you know the stuff you did with gil evans like oh i don't like that's all bullshit i'm done with that <laughs> <laughs> and then just move on to the next thing so he was really hard to pin down um he liked to talk talk philosophy he likes to talk other people's music, but he's very, very famous for being very crotchety <laughs> and very kind of in your face with things. So I'm very excited to check that out. Awesome. Awesome. I also have, uh, I assume that it's an, auto, it's an autobiography or biography. What's it classified as? So it's, it's a, it's nonfiction, but it's a collection of interviews throughout his life. Okay. So it's reprints of, it's reprints of different interviews. For, and from what I gather from the introduction of the book, which is something I didn't know. Uh, there was a couple interviews that they tried to get the rights to that they couldn't. Like there was a 60 Minutes one that 60 Minutes was just like, no, and never gave them an explanation for it. There's a, a very famous Playboy interview uh, that Alex Haley interviewed Miles. And I think it was like one of the first issues of Playboy. Like it was 58 or something like that. Um, and they couldn't get the reprint rights to that. But they also mentioned, and I'm going to have to do a deeper dive in this, that like Alex Haley apparently was a. Do you, do you know who that is? I do wrote not. Roots. So he wrote Roots. He did the the autobiography of Malcolm X. 
as told by Alex Haley. Apparently, he was very well known for for plagiarizing a lot of things. And in that interview in particular, there were things he that didn't occur in the interview that he like kind of padded out to make it to make it more of a well-rounded interview. So there's stuff in there that like Miles didn't say, um, which I'm sure would not please Miles Davis because, again, he's he's kind of an in-your-face kind of dude. So so there's an interesting background there uh, but not autobiography i have read miles autobiography and it's um i listened to it on audible oh you should check this out because he the guy that they got to play miles does his voice perfectly have you ever heard miles davis speak i've not he had in the 50s he had uh throat surgery i think he had like a polyp removed or something like that um and he was constantly like just screaming at people <laughs> <laughs> and he had to like not talk for a month. <laughs> so like day one, he was fine. Day two at, brand, at band practice, one of his one of his um, uh, bandmates was like, "Yeah, day one he was completely quiet. Day two, everybody was a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's just gosh. screaming at people. Blew his voice out, and then the rest of his life, he, ta- he talked like this for the rest of his vo- for the rest of his life. So the guy that does the narration." that does the recording plays miles davis with the voice the entire time it's it's amazing he sounds just like him that's so cool i wonder yeah. if gosh i wonder like what kind of voice training people have to go through to be able to do that or if he just talks like that in in real life and it just happened to be that they both no i didn't talk like that in real life but he was he was able to nail it nail it down and that's that's part of the problem too with with miles was that that's how he would answer things in interviews to be like hey tell me about herbie hancock oh it plays like a motherfucker <laughs> then that would be the end of that would be the end of the statement. I'm like, okay, go on. <laughs> like, I've said what I'm gonna say. Oh my gosh, he sounds like a freaking hoot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But anyway, I, why I asked about uh, if it was a or what kind of genre it was because I'm also gonna start a, a book that I have for it's an advanced readers copy. It's called This Jade World, and it's a um, uh, is it an autobiography of of someone who was living in Thailand? I believe they came to the United States. So that sounds really interesting. It's also I way back at the beginning when you and I first started doing the podcast. I was talking about a book called his name was his name is Quiz. And oh right, yeah. So the publisher, the publicist for for his name is Quiz, actually reached out to me and said, hey, I think that you might like this book too. So I think that they're very different. I, I'm not sure that this Jade World is funny like his name is Quiz was, um, but I'm still excited to read it because I didn't like that one. And yeah. so yeah, I'll, I'll probably I'll- start that one this week too. I love biographies. I have two shelves of my nonfiction is, is all biographies and autobiographies and memoirs. What is your favorite do you have one? Mm, that's a great question. I love that Miles book. It's a really good book. So Sweet. that's definitely one of them. What else do I like biography wise? I'll come I'll come to you with a list. I'll do some homework. I'll come to you with a top five next okay. time. Okay. Because I've read a lot. I can't think of any I can't think of like the best off the top of my head because I've got quite a few down. Yeah. My boyfriend and I went to Barnes Noble yesterday and he just bought a ton of biographies. So mm-hmm. if you give me some good ones, I'll I'll give them to him to read. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know. We'll do a book swap. I'll send I'll send some out something out to you. Cool, cool. Yeah, I did when we went to Barnes Noble yesterday, I saw this book and I was like, this would be perfect for Adam. So I bought it. <laughs> I just need to send it to you. Um but yeah. So 
I have no I have nothing else to talk about book wise. I think we can go back into our book recommendation question if you yeah. are ready. Um so. so we had a really short one come in um from Anonymous and this person asks, she, uh, he or she is looking for a gothic novel that's set in modern day, but not Mexican gothic. And I, have you heard of Mexican gothic before, Adam? Uh, I looked it up f- uh, from that note. So yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, basically, if, if anyone listening doesn't know what Mexican gothic is, it's it, I think it came out a year or two ago at this point it's by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and mm. it's basically about i haven't read it but i have it which is always the problem was basically about someone who has to go visit her cousin in the mexican like rural countryside because they think that her husband is doing something hinky to her and so this cousin goes to visit and things just kind of unravel from there so um yeah, I chose two books for this question. The first one that I chose was Daughters of the Lake by Wendy Webb. So this book, I know that they're looking for a modern story. This is like half modern, half historical fiction. The The main character, her name is Kate Granger, and she uh, separates from her husband and then she goes to spend some time at her parents' home on Lake Superior. So is there but while she's there she discovers the body of a murdered woman and the woman is wearing a vintage gown and there's an infant in her arms and no one knows who this woman was except for kate because kate has seen her before in her dreams like this woman talks to her in her dreams so the woman ends up being from about a hundred years ago and the mystery of her death is still unsolved and the ground the drowned woman continues to see kate in her dreams and the two of them work together to to solve the mystery of her murder sounds engaging sounds interesting it sounds like it hits those like i what i was gathering was like it's something that's you know it's isolated it's a slow burn there's some kind of death involved Usually something about the patriarchy. <laughs> Often a crumbling house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely set in a crumbling house. So nice. I saw, and I saw that book pop up on a couple different like gothic lists, like best of best of gothic lists. I struggled a little bit with this and um, I came down to two. The first one that I came up with was, again, I don't know how contemporary uh, anonymous would like this, but The Shining by Stephen King, which I didn't want to recommend at first because I was like, I don't want to recommend a Stephen King book for something like this. But it, it has a lot of like gothic story beats. Um, you know, you, t- you think of Stephen King, you think of like terrifying and gory. It is a very, very slow, slow burn. It's a slow novel, but that's one of its benefits. Like it's not a boring, slow novel. Um, and it's isolated, you know, it's the, it's the, the alcoholic father takes his family up into the mountains of Colorado to take care of the overlook, uh, hotel over the winter when, you know, you can't escape, right? It's, it's snowed in, but you need somebody there. Otherwise the big thing, and and they don't really tackle this in the movie. The movie is very different, but the big thing is the boiler. Like he has to make sure that the boiler is okay. Otherwise like the building could explode. So if you don't have a caretaker there, the building will explode because of the boiler. (laughs) Goodness. So you have that, you have a supernatural element. Like there is something supernatural going on in the Overlook Hotel. Um, 
strange things are happening. The boy, Danny, who's uh, has some kind of telekinetic power is, is seeing people that have died in the Overlook Hotel before and they're starting to cause things to happen. Um, and of course, between between the father and the mother, you have marital issues. So you have your patriarchy. Um, checkbox for gothic gothic horror it's my absolute favorite stephen king book it's it's superb i've read it twice i will probably eventually read it a third time because by the time you get to the end and my wife listened to it with me when we when we were on our honeymoon we drove up to drove up to maine from virginia to maine and back and we we listened to this um and she commented like man this is not like it's not what i expected like there's a lot i was expecting like constant action and it's really not so by the time you get to the end, it's like hold you. You can't you can't like let your breath out. Terrifying, but it takes a long time to get there. There's no real surprises along the way. Um, I mean, there are, but not like jump scare surprises. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a gr- a great pick for this. Why didn't you want to mention Just because it's Stephen King. <laughs> I suppose yeah, very yeah. very popular. I think that's yeah. a great. I feel pick, like though. I feel like people just make their mind up about certain popular authors and, and Stephen King is one of those. So I was a little hesitant to to recommend it. But um great classic Stephen King. If you want a Stephen King novel, that's one of the really good ones. The other book that I had is The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. And Ruth Ware is she actually had a book that came out um was it last year? Now I'm blanking on the title. Hold on, now I have to find it, otherwise I'm gonna lose my mind. Ruth Ware. She's, she has a ton of books out. I think people are very, um, wish, not wishy-washy, but they're, they're very opinionated about her. Either they really love her or they hate her. So Mm. who knows? She, she, the book that I'm thinking about, uh, that came out last year is really popular is One by One, which is a murder mystery type deal. It's kind of like a game of Clue is what I would What I would say. But so this book, The Death of Mrs. Westaway, is probably one of the most gothic books, modern gothic books that you're ever going to get. So it has a big crumbling English mansion, a terrifying (laughs) housekeeper, and a wealthy but on the decline family. And they're all fighting with each other because their matriarch just died and they want to know who's going to get the money and all this stuff so check 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 <laughs> the main character her name is hal she gets a letter saying that she's gotten a huge inheritance from this woman who's just died and she knows that the letter was sent to the wrong person but she's like oh maybe i could get this money like maybe i can pretend to be this person and get this money so she goes to the house and pretends to be this person but she soon realizes that not everything is how it seems and won't say too much more about it because spoilers but very 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 gothic i would say out of the two that i recommended the death of mrs westaway is probably the most gothic one nice this makes me want to rewatch. Um, did you watch those miniseries on Netflix? One was the The Haunting of Hill House was one, a contemporary version of it, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, you should mm-hmm. watch that this Halloween. They're really good. They're very okay. gothic. Are they? And w- do they have any jump scares? Because if they do, that's an automatic no. <laughs> uh, they are pretty scary, but they're good. I mean, they're very. The characters are just phenomenal. But yeah, I think there are probably a few jump scares in there. 
Okay. I, don't know. I will make my boyfriend watch it first and then There you go. Just watch it with watch your it. eyes covered. <laughs> <laughs> um I threw a curveball in here for this one. I have not read this, but I am planning to read it this October. I'm super excited about October because I'm gonna read a lot of Halloween adjacent things. Me too. Uh, this is called Horror Store, and I don't know how to pronounce it because there's an umlau over the uh, O, and there's no E on the end. And it is a horror comedy about essentially a, there are supernatural occurrences occurring in the Orsk building, the Orsk shop, which is Ikea. It's basically a haunted Ikea. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And the the book itself, which I have on Kindle is you get, you get pictures of the products. So it's kind of like set up as a catalog throughout, throughout the narrative. So, so you get to see what they're talking about. But it largely takes place over the course of one night in Orsk, has those illustrations of Orsk and the building and the occurrences just become more and more sinister as it goes along. But like I said, it's, a, it's also a comedy. So I, in terms of gothic, it's got a little bit of a contemporary flavor on it you've got the isolation you've got the haunted house it's not a crumbly building but inside when i'm in an ikea i feel like i'm crumbling so i feel like (laughs) i feel like that goes along with it um so if you want something that's a little bit out there and related to it then go with horror store it's got it's got great reviews i'll let you know more about it next month when i read it sweet yeah i'm trying to put together my tbr for october and Mm -hmm. i'm like just trying to figure out um, which books are are most Halloween related that I that I can read now? There's yeah. one. Have you ever heard of Ninth House by Leigh Bardugo? Mm-mm. Well, it's okay. So it came out. I want to say it came out in 2019, and I started reading it, but for some reason I put it down and I just never picked it back up. But it is a super super popular book about this girl who. I believe she – it's been a while since I picked it up, but I believe she is in a prison for some reason or juvenile detention for some reason. And she's offered a scholarship to Yale. So she goes to Yale, but I believe she has a mission to uncover the secret society that they have. And the secret society, like, raises ghosts and all of this stuff and Ooh. she actually sees it happening and they have all of this stuff. So so if you're look it I I think that I put it down because it was too scary for me. I honestly <laughs> believe that that's what happened, but maybe that's something that you could pick up that one it has really yeah. good reviews. Yeah. I'm all I've not read a ton of horror fiction in years, but like it's been creeping back into my life, so I'm super excited for for October. I'm going to watch some movies. Get some books. Get an, I got an audiobook picked out. It's going to be great. My boyfriend is very much in the scary movie kick right now. There was just uh, a, a movie that came out. Oh, what is it called? Not Manifest. Oh, no, there was a scary movie that came out. It starts with an M. And he was like, there, there were, for months, there were just uh, commercials for it on like, Hulu and, and, all, and Peacock and everything. He's like, we're going to watch that. We're going to watch that. And I was like, absolutely not. I will not be watching that with you. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. I can't wait to... I watched... Uh, I only watched like one movie last year. My wife and I used to do this challenge. We succeeded one year where we tried to watch 30... 31... Are there 31 days in October, right? Yeah, 31. Yeah. We tried to watch 31 movies 
every hollow every october <laughs> so one for every day are you gonna do uh, that again this year maybe no we can't we had we did this one when we didn't have kids and we failed oh, yeah. like the first year we tried it and barely made it through the second year but i definitely <laughs> want to throw some throw some more in there i think that's why i got burnt out on on horror but last mm-hmm. year i watched um i watched the blu-ray of the criterion collection version of night of the living dead oh what a great film one of the greatest movies of all time awesome, awesome. filmed in pittsburgh we're off topic. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're way off topic. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything else to talk about book-wise. I think this was a good episode. This was yeah. fun. Um, yeah, so we'll do our little wrap-up, and then we'll be out of here. So if you want a personalized reading recommendation, and we're always looking for people to ask us for recommendations, please visit our website. It will be linked in the show notes below. And just fill out the Get Recommendation button and it'll honestly take you like two minutes you can ask us like oh i like this book can you recommend me a book like it or or you're looking for a specific genre you can honestly ask us whatever the heck you want if you want a book about how real estate agencies are run exactly we've got that for you (laughs) yes (laughs) um and you can also follow us on Instagram at Lit These Days Podcast. It'll be in the show notes. And you can join our Discord as well. Yeah. That will also be in the show notes. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you, Internet people. Mm-hmm.